You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We are in this foundation uh, uh, message, and we're going through this series, building on the right foundations for this year, both for us as a church collectively and for us individually. So these messages apply to us as a family, but I hope they also apply to you really personally, helping us develop the, the right foundation, set the right foundation for 2021. We've talked about unity and how important unity is in order for us to go forward personally and as a church. We've talked about our purpose last week, really zeroing in so that we know why we do what we do personally. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do as a church? We talked about how our purpose is all about helping people uh, know and become like Jesus. That's what we're all about as a church. That sums us up in a simple sentence. We are about helping people know and become like Jesus. If that sounds like something you want to be a part of, you're in the right place. Right, and, and so today we're going to dig into strategy a little bit uh, and unpack a little bit of the how-to. How do we actually go about? It? Okay, so if that's our purpose, then what? Like, how do we actually accomplish it? And in the dictionary, it says that strategy is a plan of action or a policy designed to achieve a major or overall aim. That's what the dictionary has to say about strategy. So, so for us, what's our overall aim? What's our purpose, if you will? Well, that's easy. It's to reach people, to, to help people know and become like Jesus. And if that's our overall aim, then our strategy is our plan of action. That's what it's all about. That's, this is how we're going to accomplish it, okay? And our strategy consists of two parts. We're going to break it down. They're real simple, not necessarily easy to do, but they're simple to understand, right? So they're real simple. The two parts, there's going to be some spots in your notes where you can fill in the blanks or you can just follow along on the screen. And the online folks, they'll make sure that there's a link in the comments for you to uh, get the sermon notes there as well. So in your sermon notes, our two parts of our strategy are, number one, uh, intentional relationships. Intentional relationships. And then the second part of our strategy is a reproducible uh, process, a reproducible process. So our strategy is made up of these two things. It's all about having intentional relationships and a reproducible process. Uh, We'll come back to the relationships in a minute, but uh, let me just give you a broad strokes, real quick run through on the reproducible process. For those of you that were at the training this weekend, which I'll talk a little bit about in a second, this is going to sound real familiar. Our reproducible process can be summed up in four words, share, connect, minister, and disciple. Share, connect, minister, and disciple. If you come to church in person in Pullman, you see those in our lobby on the sandwich boards out there as you walk through the lobby. Like this is, uh, this is like the, the how-to when it comes to our strategy. This is this process that we can help equip and teach you so that you can do it and then learn how to help equip and teach other people this process. It's a reproducible thing. And we didn't come up with it on our own. We stole it from Jesus if you will, right? Like we're getting what we've got from him. And we we not only believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we believe that faith in Jesus is where we find salvation and nowhere else, but we also believe that the way Jesus went about introducing people to the Father is like an awesome and an inspired way. So his methods are good in addition to just following and knowing him. And so his methods kind of break down like this. Jesus shared with people who he was through uh, words and deeds. 
And then when people accepted his message, he invited them to connect with him in relationship. And then during that time of sharing life together, he taught them the truth about God. And then as these disciples grew, Jesus trained them to minister to the lost and to other followers. And then finally, he rose from the dead. He deployed his followers to disciple others. So this is sort of what it looked like for Jesus. For us, what does it look like for us personally? How does it, what does it sound like when we sort of put that process in place for us personally? Again, this is in your notes, but it goes like this. We share our lives with people. And then as we do, we share the gospel with them. We share God's word. We share God's truth. And then those who accept the message, we connect with them. And then as we do, we help them connect with Jesus and with other believers. And then as we do life with these new disciples, uh, we help supply a place for them to learn how to minister and serve in Jesus' name. And then finally, when they're ready, we release them to disciple others. And so that's this process, this reproducible process that we teach as a church, how to share, connect, minister, and disciple. And it's, it gives us a framework to be intentional and purposeful about how we accomplish helping people know and become like Jesus. Because that sounds nice, but then the brass tacks of what does it actually look like, that's this reproducible process. And as a church, we train on that in depth. It's not stuff that's necessarily easy to walk through on a Sunday morning in a sermon in detail. It happens best learning it in the context of relationship. And we actually just did that this weekend. We had uh, just shy of 100 people at uh, the equip training, which was amazing. So good. We had uh, groups in living rooms around Pullman and Colfax and people digging in and intentional relationships, learning this process. How does it apply to them personally? Where are they at in the process? What do they need to grow? How would they grow? What would they do with other people that they want to help become more like Jesus, right? And so we spent a bunch of time over the weekend diving in deep and unpacking what that actually looks like. And so our heart's desire as a church is that everybody who comes to our church gets to experience that training, that equip and, uh, experience. And so we had nearly 100 people that went through it this first time. We're going to do it again in March. And when we do it again in March, there's going to be many of you that just went through it that are like, man, I want to do that again. I want a second look at that. I want to get better at it. I want it to soak in. Like I, I, I attended, but then I, next round, I want to really like let it get in me. Like I want to learn, right? And then there's going to be some of you that are like, I'm ready to help maybe co-lead it and, and tag team with a leader and take over some of the different parts of the training. And so we're always raising people up, giving people opportunities to minister and serve in the church body and to each other. And so that'll be something that's going to be happening. And then there's a lot of people that maybe didn't get to go to that training. It didn't work out with your schedule or you didn't hear about it in time or you weren't sure if you should go. And our heart's desire is that everybody goes to that training throughout the year. And so in March, we'll get the details out soon so that you got plenty of time to book it on your calendar and get it scheduled. And any of you that wanted to go to it again, we would love to have you come again. And those of you that are new and didn't get to do it, we would love for you to go to it. So that's the scoop on the process. I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about intentional relationships, all right? In order to do that, I want to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. Uh, I want you to close your eyes for a minute, all right? Close your eyes. Check your neighbor. Are they following instructions? All right. 
Close your eyes. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to just picture the first painting of Jesus that pops in your mind. When you think about pictures, famous pictures you've seen of Jesus, what's the first one that pops in your mind? All right, you can open your eyes. Oftentimes, when we think about Jesus, the things that pop in our mind, the very first things, are pictures of him doing very solitary things. Like the, the picture of him on the cross by himself, the picture of him carrying the lamb by himself, the picture of him off remotely in, the, in Gethsemane praying by himself. Like that We oftentimes get pictures of Jesus as sort of a solitary, lonely figure. And while Jesus did have times of solitude, for sure, For sure he had times of solitude. In fact, we know that he would go off often on his own to pray. We know that obviously he went for 40 days to fast and pray and be tested through a time of uh, preparation in the desert. But, But that wasn't what his life looked like in a whole. And what happens is when people... Over throughout history have tried to imitate Jesus, they've latched on to these times of solitude, these times when Jesus was apart from people, and they've looked at them as if that was the ideal way, like the ultimate act of spirituality was to be separated from people and to be just alone and solitary with the Lord like Jesus was in the desert. In fact, ancient monks would lock themselves in cells for weeks on end or months on end with no human contact trying to become extraordinarily spiritual. And, and it's not just ancient monks, popular authors, thinkers, uh, Christian influencers in the more modern era also really latch on to some spiritual disciplines that are good spiritual disciplines, but they latch on to some particular ones that really focus on a picture of following Jesus and becoming like Jesus that looks really sort of on your own. So some of the practices that they look at are things like solitude or silence or fasting or scripture memorization. And, and I don't want to say anything uh, about these or take anything away from them as spiritual disciplines, that those are not good disciplines. Those are amazing disciplines, right? But they're missing something really important. When we get this picture that, that to become like Jesus is a solitary effort, we are absolutely missing something. We're missing probably uh, the most important, the most essential element of becoming like Jesus, becoming a mature disciple of Jesus, involves intentional relationships. It involves purposeful relationships. Now, here's the challenge. When I start to talk about relationships, everybody in the room starts to think about the people you know. And when I start to say intentional relationships, purposeful relationships, like, and I start to try and paint a picture of the kind of relationships that are going to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord and, and get you to uh, know God better, everybody starts to evaluate your relationships. You start to do a little uh, friendship inventory. Here's all the people I know. And on this column, here's the people that are really spiritual. Here's the people that don't even know Jesus. Here's the people that I just like. Like, and you start to categorize and try to figure out who fits where and how, how does any relationship kind of uh, fall into this whole intentional relationship thing. And one of the challenges is that we start to uh, measure these relationships that we already have with some criteria. We start to try and uh, figure out 
if they're the right kind of relationship or not based on some criteria. And you probably don't even realize you're doing it, but we all do it. We all use some ready-made criteria that's already in our mind. We think about things like, do we like the person? right? How how comfortable are we with them? How much stuff do we have in common with them? How long have we known them? How much do they know about us? How much do we know about them? History, uh, like uh, just comfortableness with each other. We factor in all of these things. And here's what I want to tell you today. I want to stretch us a little bit, is that the common ways that we gauge whether or not a relationship is a good relationship, uh, those are fine criteria for building friendships, They're not the same criteria we need for developing intentional relationships that are going to help us become more like Jesus. And so I want to introduce you to a a new way of thinking about pursuing some friendships and a new type of friendship that some people don't even know about and others just don't even know how important it is or they, they didn't ever realize that it was one that they actually needed. And in order to do it, I'm going to introduce you to a new word. And this new word is going to help you uh, associate this type of relationship with becoming like Jesus. Because here's the deal. When we use words like relationship, all of us have all kinds of ideas about what that word means. When I use words like friend or a really good friend, all of us have different ideas about what that kind of person looks like. And so I want to give you a new word to help attach to this new picture of the kind of relationship you're looking for when you want to become more like Jesus. Are you ready for your word? Oh. Did I have y'all close your eyes too long? Are you ready for your word? That's better. Thank you. All right, here we go. Ready? Haver. Haver. Try that out. Haver. All right? Uh, Those of you that are old enough to know what a Corvair is, there was two, three, right? All right. The rest of you, look it up. It's a car that looks like the front is on both sides. Um, Now you're going to have to look, right? It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, except it says ver. So we're back to have ver now. That's how it goes up here in circles. Haver. So haver is a Hebrew word that means a close friend, a close friend. And plural, the multiple close friends, is called a haverim. Try that one, haverim. Kind of fun, huh? So a haver is a close friend. A haverim is a group of close friends. But here's the thing. For the Jews, this word took on much more meaning, much more depth and richness than just a close friend. It meant like finding someone who was a a like-minded disciple, a like-minded follower of Jesus that wanted what you wanted to become more like Christ. It's more than a hunting friend. It's more than a a gaming partner where you've got a a thing in common. It's more than we've known each other for a long time. It's different than common interests, comfortability with each other. It's a relationship with deep, specific purpose. And the purpose is about helping you become more like Christ. Know God's word, be changed by God's word, chew on God's word, wrestle with God's word, right? Um, that is what a haver or haverim is all about. And, and so one of the things you can imagine uh, to help get you the right picture in your mind of a haver is like a haver is like finding and seeking out a, a spiritual jogging partner. 
Somebody that is the kind of person that you're going to get out of bed for on a rainy morning when it's freezing cold and it's miserable and you put your shoes on and you go meet them at the place you said you were going to meet them because when you meet them and when you get there, you're going to actually run a little bit better. You're going to, you're going to pick up your pace. You're going to run a little bit longer. You're going to, uh, you're going to follow through on a day that you didn't want to follow through on, right? Like you're going to be challenged intellectually. You're going to be stretched in your commitment, right? You're going to show up in a way that you wouldn't show up when you're just trying to do this thing on your own. You don't show up for people that you just sort of casually are friends with. But when you have a haver, you show up for each other. Now, one of the things that is important, well, before I jump to that, I wanted to share a couple of things that... um, were common in Jesus's day. In, in Jesus's time, there's a couple of sayings that were common for rabbis to say. One of the things that rabbis would say is you uh, acquire for yourself a rabbi and then you get yourself a haver. Like this was a normal practice in the culture that Jesus was calling disciples in. Another thing that was said even before Jesus' time by rabbis was, it says this, when two sit together and exchange the words of Torah, then the divine presence is among them. It sounds a little bit like what Jesus had in mind when he said in Matthew 18, 20, that when two or three gather in my name, there I am with them, right? There's something special about Haver, that kind of friendship, that kind of commitment to each other that's built around learning and chewing and discussing and fleshing out God's word and wrestling with each other to help each other become more like Jesus. There's, there's something about it. And Jesus says the something about it is that he's with you. Like he's literally among you as you gather for that purpose right? One of the challenges that we face is the world that we live in is so much different than the biblical world, the the context that the Bible took place in, right? Our world and the way we learn and the way we study is so much different in so many respects. And so when we start to picture for ourselves, like things, when I say like, get really serious about learning God's word, automatically we get pictures of libraries we get pictures of people that own a lot of books. We get pictures of people that study a lot and have great memories and can memorize and recite. And if you think about in our culture, if you walked into a library anywhere and you saw a table that was just spread out, 20, 30 books open all over, stacks of books, notes, and one person sitting there, you would automatically think, man, they're smart. We automatically make assumptions about that person, their level of commitment, how serious their study is. And and we get an idea in our mind, and it's like we don't even realize it, but it sort of leaks in to the way we think about that would be how I would have to look if I was going to get really serious about learning God's word, if I was going to get really serious about becoming like Jesus, it would be this solitary, serious, difficult, hard studying effort. And I'm not saying that we don't study and we don't learn, but that is not the picture that Jesus had in mind when he called disciples to learn God's word and to, to, to walk out God's word together and to become like him. He called them to get some haver, like you need to rally and get a group of haver it's in the context of people with a common purpose and mission to to become like jesus it's in the context of that relationship that you study that you flesh out that you talk out loud about god's word and what you think and what you don't think and what's bothering you and and 
It's in this environment that we become more like Jesus. Now, here's something that bears mentioning about Havarim and and these types of groups and these types of relationships. One of the things that we've got to deal with, if we're going to be real Havers to each other, those kind of friends to each other, if we're really going to be a part of a Havarim group, like, and not just know some people. Like if we're going to have that kind of relationship, one of the things we've got to deal with is this thing that's really common in the world that we live in is there's this sense of privacy about spiritual matters. There's this sense of privacy about, about things that are more personal, that feel more appropriate to be secret than public. And what happens, I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times. I've heard so many stories about this over all the years in church and ministry and all the groups, men's groups, women's groups, accountability groups, home groups, all kinds of stuff, all these groups of people that have good intentions that start off together. And then what happens, and I hear this story all the time, and probably a lot of you have been in groups like this, where it starts good because you're in the getting to know each other stage and it's kind of fun and there's a little bit of transparency, a little bit of new, but then it just stalls out so fast because everybody, you know what happens? Everybody that's going to go to the group can already predict what's going to be said in the group before you get there. And it is boring as the day is long because you're like, oh, I know what's going to happen. He's going to say this and they're going to say that and they're going to say this and they're going to say that. And we're going to just stay right up here on the surface. And we're going to talk about the weather and we're going to talk about sports and how's, whose knee needs prayer. And we're going to talk about this. and We're going to talk about that. And nobody's going to get past anything. And, and you're going to be wrestling with stuff on the inside, but you don't feel comfortable laying it out there because nobody else lays it out there. And then you just quit going to the group. Because it got boring. And you're sick of hearing people say the same thing every week. Oh, I messed up this week. Will you pray for me? I messed up too. Will you pray for me? Right? Like a Havarim group is a group where you're willing to risk it. Where you're willing to get past the privacy of spiritual stuff. Where you're willing to say, hey, in this group, I'm committed to like pulling the curtains open. And I'm going to let you see the dirty laundry. And the dirty laundry is, I don't even know if I believe the Bible. Right? The dirty laundry is like, I have been reading this text, and I know you said that we were going to read this week, and we read and we read and we read, but you know what? i got to be honest with you, this doesn't make a lick of sense. And I'm not even sure if any of this stuff is true. And people in the group are like, oh man, I'm glad you said that. I've wrestled with that same thing for years. And you know what else I wrestle with? And all of a sudden you're having real conversations, and you're digging into God's Word, and you're talking about God's Word, and you're wrestling with the text, and you're letting Jesus come through on what he said he would do. He would actually be with you. Instead of a solitary effort of trying to figure this all out on your own at home or in a library, you're with some Havarim, digging into the text, chewing on God's word, and Jesus is your study partner. Now you're talking. So I'm, I'm going to do something a little bit different today, a little bit unchurchy, all right? Um, welcome to real life, and I try to help us live up to our name. Um, and so uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, some of you are going to love this. And some of you are not, and I apologize. I'm not trying to purposely do something you won't love, but I, I also promise you you'll be okay, all right? Just, just bear with me, hang in there. It's going to be all right. Now that I've sufficiently scared you, here's what we're going to do. And those of you that are watching online, you're going to do the same thing. So on the end of your sermon notes, there's some questions. 
And those questions are designed to just break the ice and help you get to know some uh, things about people to make it easy for you to start the conversation. But what we're going to do online, you're going to do these chats uh, online and in this room. We're actually going to get up. We're going to look around the room for people that we don't know or barely know, like a casual acquaintance, and we're going to get to know some new people. We're going to let these questions sort of spur our conversation on. And the heart of of this is to help us practice getting to know some different people, but we're looking for something. Listen, we're looking for Havarim. There's a really good chance the Haver that you need is in this room. You don't need another hunting buddy. You don't need another person to talk about fishing. You don't need another person to talk to you about sports or gaming or homework or school or life stuff with your kids. What you need is somebody that wants to dig into God's word with you and that will be there when they say they'll be there, right? And that person might be in this room. And so I'm going to have you guys dig in and do that. And then the, uh, the hope is, both online and here, is that you're actually going to make an appointment with somebody, Like, we're going to get crazy uncomfortable and like each other in this room. You're actually going to make an appointment with somebody to meet before next Sunday. That could be a Zoom meeting. You do what you got to do. You could have her at meets. You could have them over for coffee. You could meet somewhere, however you meet. But you meet with somebody, and you're trying to find out. Maybe that person is your haver. Maybe that's somebody you didn't even know that God's got right in this room to help you grow and become more like a son. So I'm going to give you some time to get up, do that, get to know each other, and then we'll throw a countdown timer. I'll let you know when we're getting close to circling back up. We'll finish with communion before we go home. So on your marks, get set, have fun. Good job, everybody. Good job, online peeps. Visit in connecting, chatting, lots of chatting going on in the room in here. It was really good. Loved it. It's almost like you guys are friends with each other and stuff. So cool. I like it. Hey, um, I just want to just continue to encourage you to pursue that. Pursue, uh, maybe it worked great that the person you connected with, uh, you sort of were like, hey, that is a person I really want to meet with. Really get out of your comfort zone and and try and connect with other people. But I also want to challenge you to really be thinking about uh, your relationships. Do you have some relationships where maybe you've got a good foundation built, but you could sort of shift gears in that relationship and make it much more intentional, like a, a haver type relationship or a small group of friends that could be like a haverim that is the, the, the purpose is built around helping each other know God's word, chew on God's word, become more like Jesus. Not just how's the weather and how's the sports and all the normal stuff. Like those are fun relationships and that's great. It's just not digging in and becoming more like Jesus stuff. And we need those intentional, purposeful relationships in our life in order to become more like Christ. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.